This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. I am really excited about today's episode, a special episode that um, with special guests that I wanted to talk to leading up to Memorial Day. Today, I have the privilege and honor of speaking with Marcus and Melanie Luttrell, probably best known to the general public as the name behind The Lone Survivor. Marcus Luttrell is a retired Navy SEAL and Navy Cross recipient. A Texas native, Marcus spent eight years in the United States Navy where he deployed multiple times to Iraq and Afghanistan. In his second deployment, the first to Afghanistan, Marcus took place in Operation Red Wings, where he was the lone survivor of his four-man SEAL team after being ambushed by Taliban forces. Despite a number of critical injuries from that encounter, Marcus returned to active duty and deployed again in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. He was subsequently medically discharged in 2007 and was awarded the Navy Cross by President George W. Bush. Since then, Marcus has married his lovely wife, Melanie, and both of them have maintained an active role in veterans' issues. Marcus is the founder of the Lone Survivor Foundation, which focuses on providing veterans and their families a path to healing following service. And both Marcus and Melanie also lead Team Never Quit, an initiative focused on sharing the stories of the fallen to inspire others to never quit. Melanie and Marcus, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. And this one's special because I wanted to talk to you guys here today about Memorial Day. And I think as we're approaching Memorial Day, one of the things that I often get asked is how can we honor the fallen? What can we do? And you know, for many years, I've thought about how to answer that question. And for me, I'm always very quick to say, listen, I have no problem with you having a barbecue. Uh, I have no problem with you hanging out with your family and friends, but make sure at some point over the weekend that you take time to remember why you're able to do these things and remember mm -hmm. these men and women who have given their lives in service to this country. And you know, I could think of no better couple to sit down and talk with leading into this special weekend than both of you, Melanie, an incredible military spouse, and Marcus, you know, someone that made it back um, but lost a lot of his friends in the process uh, while serving overseas. So welcome to the Resilient Life podcast and, um, and looking forward to, to diving in with everything. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So, so let's start, Marcus, I'd, I'd love to start with you as, you know, for many of us, Memorial Day holds special significance, uh, including myself as a gold star sister. But I'd love to just start with the obvious. What does Memorial Day mean to you? And I'm sure it carries specific memories of, you know, your fallen comrades, but is there something specific about that day that you choose to do, you choose to memorialize, um, and, and how do you feel about Memorial Day in general? 
just kind of start there. Um, that's a great question. And I, you and I were discussing this a little earlier. It seems like over time that answer can change for us because how we uh, how we go about our daily life and the more we get from it, the more you appreciate the ones that didn't make it back. Does that make sense? Yeah. I said that right. But um, so with me, I, I I've lost a lot of my brothers. You're right. That's what I have. So Memorial Day is I personally memorialize them on this day. I remember something that they did when we did it together, or what they truly love to do. And I had to do it that day. I throw myself a party with them all day. And, it, and it's, it's the funniest thing because there's stuff I, you know, I remember about them that we used to like to do that I would watch them do. And I just kind of make sure that I throw a shot up. It's like bringing their spirit down and you carry it with them wherever you go. And for a lot of people, they don't, they're not familiar with anybody in our, in our family who's, who's fallen. Then it's, um, a lot of times people don't know what to do. But if you want to, if you want to memorialize something on Memorial Day of our fallen, um, it's got to be in a, a loving capacity, right? Something that you love to do that, and go do that on that day because these people provided that, 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 that cover, right? We're all out there and the ones that got left back there, it's like they're still holding the line. So whatever it is that you do that, that truly brings you joy in that living here at their cost, do it. And, um, it, it's um, when you have kids and then as, as life progresses and as, as we grow up, it's, it's funny, but I heard you talking about the cemeteries. So I have, I call it the Book of the Dead. And Melanie got it this huge old wooden framed uh, album, but inside it are grave ribs from all of our, my brothers, from their headstones. Wow. Right. So when you were talking about that thing you guys were setting up, I don't know if we're jumping ahead or yeah. something. No, that's uh, okay. Keep going. Keep okay. going. You know what I mean? I was like, so we like to do these scavenger hunt things. What are those? Um, Geocache deals? Geocache. Yeah. Well, you can actually get on. We've traced our lineage back. So we're going to do a road trip and trace our family back to the country and hit the cemeteries and grave rub all of my uncles and aunts and everybody. But you, we, you can literally go out and rub and find a grave rubbing of somebody in that family and have it decorated up or just. I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran, right? Mm -hmm. And then and then let somebody know, like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but um, we found your his headstone and his tombstone. You can leave it there for them to find it. If someone takes care of it, they can get them that stuff, right? Uh, I probably That's shouldn't awesome. be saying that because people don't like leaving the thing that gets left at the headstone. They got to clean it up, right? A lot of times they don't know what to do with it. There's so much magnificent stuff there, but it's just that little simple thing is just, and seeing how far back you can trace the line mm -hmm. is the coolest part. No, so I think for ahead, sorry for for um us what we do on Memorial Day we always have a, a bunch of people over and we do do the barbecue and all that kind of stuff because it's America you know and that's how we um we remember everybody and it's a lot of people see it as a day off of work but what we really try to do is I mean now that we have kids we teach our kids about the fallen very important to us that they understand the sacrifice especially on memorial day and what that means and um thankfully the whole country basically has gotten behind a lot of his fallen brothers so like there's the murph workout that a lot of the crossfit gyms do um in houston we have the danny deep memorial rodeo and roping and we're very involved with that so we're able, we attend all of these things on Memorial Day, but we also have our family and our friends together and we talk about the guys. And that's something that um, 
is important. And even if you don't have somebody, because before I met Marcus, I didn't have anyone in my family that had served. I didn't know anybody, no one in my immediate family, but I was always taught to honor the fallen. I would look up a story or just, and just talk about it. And I think that's important for people to do is like Marcus is saying, do grave rubs. If you don't know anybody, you don't have anybody in your immediate family, go to a cemetery and just walk around. It says on the headstone, if they were in the military or not, and, you know, just sit down and say a prayer for them or, you know, something like that. There's so many different things that you can do on Memorial Day to honor those that have given their, their sacrifice for us. Absolutely. I'm sorry. No, I always say, you know, for me, it's so easy for, I think the three of us understand, you know, and have a deeper meaning for what Memorial Day is. And and it's no fault of anybody else's. It just is what it is, right? It's where we ended up in our lives. And, and uh, but for those people that don't have that connection to the military or more specifically a connection to a fallen hero, I always say it's could not be easier in today's day and time to mm-hmm. find the story of a fallen hero and learn that story and pass it on. You know, mm-hmm. as you're sitting there drinking your beer and eating your burger with your friends, turning and saying, you know, hey, have you ever heard of Michael Murphy? Let me tell mm-hmm. you about him. You know, I mean, how simple is that? And, and how American is that, that we can sit yeah. there enjoying our freedoms and talk about these men and women and, you know, continue their legacy, make sure that their name does not die, make sure their name is being told, you know? Yeah. I think another reason why we do that, especially here in America, and look at Memorial Day, if your brother and I are sitting around, and I'd be like, hey, if I don't make it, if you don't make it, check it out, sis. I'm gonna give you a day to go do something. (laughs) (laughs) Because we don't know everybody's birthday. It's like one day to celebrate their birthday. Right. For everybody, right? It's like that one one day, and and the one thing you do to celebrate that everyone gets along is breaking bread, mm-hmm. right? And sitting down and being festive, and being happy. Mm-hmm. We can all agree on that. I mean, you boil it down to just that's how we get through life. Yeah. No, no one likes to argue at the table. Well, you're not supposed to. If the food's good because you're stuck in your face, right? And you're supposed to be smiling. So with all the boys that you know, with everybody in the family that that, that fell, man, if they could give everybody in the, in, the, in America a day off. That's what we do. We do that, right? Just in case for the other boys. Just, hey, on this day, man, just chill. Just relax. You know, for us taking this heavy and, and do what you what you love to do with your family and, and, and people and then celebrate all of that. Because the uniform is still alive. It's a forever uniform, right? It, it, it can't. It gets passed around. Yeah. So, does the, so does the spirit. Right, with, with every, like your brother and everybody that comes ahead, man, we just keep going. And that's how we, that's, that way you don't ever forget. Because you won't, you'll always have that day, and, and and what, what, what they shared with their families, and that we what we get to share with ours now. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole purpose is to never forget the fallen. I mean, that is the whole purpose. What you, you know, your mission is. It's what our mission is. Is to educate people on their names, on who they are, and and constantly honor them. And so Memorial Day is that day that it's like everyone it, it doesn't matter who it is it could be someone from world war ii just honor them and or honor all of them but find out and really research at least one person and honor them by just looking up their story walk up to the most time hey tell me a story <laughs> i know you like to talk tell me something 
Yeah, well, you know, and one of the things I think about is, again, I think Memorial Day is a great day to, and I love how you frame it because, listen, I'm going to be honest, I've been around um, different Gold Star families that are very specific in, you know, know the meaning of Memorial Day. It's to honor the fallen and nothing else. And if you throw up a picture at, you know, at a barbecue, it's almost offensive. And, you know, for me, I take the other side of that. I'm like, I love the idea that, like you said, do things they love doing and, and right. honor them in that way. And so um, I'm more in that camp with you, but I also think for me, Memorial Day is, I, I, th- I was quoted a few years ago and, and I keep, it keeps popping up everywhere because I had said on an interview, I think on Fox News, I said, you know, every day's Memorial Day to me. I mean, every day I'm remembering my brother. I'm remembering my, my brother's friends who didn't make it back. Like it, that's Memorial Day, right? And so like one day doesn't uh, signify uh, their losses for me, but that's because I'm personally connected to that. And right. so, you know, I think Memorial Day for me becomes an education point, a point where I can show others, okay, like there's 365 days out of the year that I'm going to remember the fallen because it's, that's how close I am to it. But for you, like taking that one day, this is how I'm going to educate you to do that. Um, and, and have you understand those sacrifices? Because I think more than anything, it's about people understanding those sacrifices and understanding as disconnected as you may be from the military community, you need to understand the sacrifices that are made on your behalf. You may Mm -hmm. not realize that you may have no connection, but they're made on your behalf. And so, you know, Marcus, I'd love to know, you know, with this idea, I can't help but think that, you know, like me, 365 days out of the year, you're remembering and you're, you're, your fallen brothers, those that didn't make it back. And, and do you feel a responsibility to live a lot, live a life worthy of their sacrifice? You know, does that weigh on you or is that something you've learned to just uh, deal with? That's a great question. That's a great question. Oh, thank you. And yeah, you know what, in the beginning it was. Because I have just as many of my friends that have fallen about as many days in the year. So I try to celebrate one of them a day and take, take one of them outside with me. If I, or if I run into a lot of people or people out there and I hear their name, well, then I'll look over to see if they carry a mannerisms or something. You know, there's something I might notice. And that's how I remember them. And if I see somebody doing something and, I, and it reminds me, look, I got them right there. That's how I catch them. And, for, and so it's, uh, in the beginning, it was tough. Met 19 promises right off the bat. Anytime I walked in anywhere, I had to carry myself a certain way just because I know I was going to run into somebody that knew that. So uh, I reversed it. <laughs> Memorial Day is the one day I take off. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of, <laughs> I hope that's not bad. Is that, I'm not selfish. I'm not trying to be selfish. I just, but I, but, uh, because I'm in it every day. And I, it's the funniest thing because, we train together, we live together, and our mannerisms have to, to, to a point to where now it's the way I have. I, I just, I'm just am. I just it's the way I am. Plain and simple. Some people run into you. I was telling you the other day, and they'll, they'll tell you that I'm the nicest guy you ever met, and I, I do everything I can for you. And then you'll meet somebody and tell you I'm the, the worst thing down here. And I 
I, I do metal things. Both of those are true, right? Just because I can't, you don't, no one gets the same side of me. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, and as you go through this, I, I picked the best parts of every one of the guys that would, that meant something to me and changed that. Now when I go out, I, I can't not try to be with, hit somebody with some positivity because mm-hmm. something in their head triggered me. If I see their driving down the road, it'll remind me now because we were, we were in it all the time. So it becomes a part of our memory or part of our code yeah. to where, yeah, yeah, it's like that. So, um, and it's, it's different for everybody. It has to be that way because not everybody steps up and drops into this. But yeah. when you, when you, when you celebrate it the way we do and uh, every clan's different, right? You know, people celebrate different ways. I mean, from sports to everything, we're our own thing. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we just are, we're just our own thing, right? Our own kind of fraternity inside the family. And, um, Look at any other TV show you watch. When you see something abstract, people don't know what to make of it. They're automatically like, "Man, that's crazy." I wouldn't even be like, "Well, you ain't part of this." I'm trying. We're trying to open it up to you and let you know why we do these things because we celebrate like this because of how bad it is on the other side. When we lose them, that's not a party, right? That's something completely different. And they don't they don't get that part, so they get to see. We're trying to show them the least amount of that part on that day, right? We're gonna you gotta be as and I celebrate that part, celebrate the, the life that they granted. That's, that's the whole misconception, I think. And you can always be down about something, or you can find something to be blessed and, and positive about it. And I've had to do that because I'm a death I run around with. Yeah. One of the well, things that he does that I think is really neat is every once in a while, he's never erased the phone numbers of any of his friends that have passed. And every once in a while, he'll just send a message to that number. Someone else has it now, and then he'll tell them, you don't know, like, this is whose phone you had, and and carry yourself, you know, he'll just send, like, a little message, and it's like, like, could you imagine getting that? No, I (laughs) honestly could not. That's, that's But he does every once in a while, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder what the person on the other end is thinking, but. There's somebody has my father's phone number. And every now and again on Father's Day, I'll be like, hope you're having a great day. <laughs> and if it was bad, I hope it gets better. And in the beginning, they're like, away. who is this? But now they'll see, they're like, I hope your day's great, too. <laughs> they'll hit you back. Isn't it funny? But it's and, so and bad, bad. Like, and I was just like, hey, you know, great day. Because it shows up on my phone. And I'll just send it out. And then, I don't know. It's, it's another way I think about them. And mm-hmm. I don't ever forget them. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think you brought up something really interesting. I'm going to be a little weird to tell the American people. I keep that off. <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I still have my mom's, I saw my mom's number in my favorites. Um, and, uh, but hers just goes, it, the number never got transferred. Cause I've called it a couple of times and it just goes, this number. Okay, so I haven't done that. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't ponied up to, to do the, the actual, Hey, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you brought up something that i thought was really interesting so when you were you know kind of talking about uh the military and you know what how you honor what you do every day like you you brought up like this ritual like people don't fully understand and and it was something i kind of wanted to dive in with you melanie because i often think you know just knowing you met marcus after his military service you know i was born into a military family. My dad's a retired Marine Corps colonel. So even before Travis serving in the Marine Corps, like th- that was a life I lived, you know, I was born mm-hmm. in Camp Lejeune. I moved, every- like I, 
all my dad's <laughs> friends were Marines. I knew that world. I knew the military yeah. world. But I often find it interesting when somebody kind of comes into this world. I mean, it had to be a bit of a culture shock for you, not mm -hmm. just marrying into somebody who served, but marrying, you know, again, you're marrying Marcus Luttrell, right? You're marrying the lone survivor. Like that's, that has to be a bit of like, whoa. Um, yeah. And how did you process that? And how did you, how did you deal? Because I, I think a lot of that had to be challenging for you. Yeah. Um, even though I, I didn't have anyone in my immediate family, my dad and my, like my whole family, my grandparents are very patriotic. I mean, okay. very patriotic. We always, like the first, my dad raised me by himself. And so the first movie that I ever saw in the movie theater was Platoon. And I was probably like four or five. <laughs> I should not have been going to that movie, but it's just something like we always honored the military. Every time, if my dad saw somebody in uniform, he would go up and shake their hand and just and buy their lunch or whatever. Like he, and so I always knew that lifestyle, like from the civilian side to honor the military. But, um, but yeah, when, and speaking of my dad, he is how I met Marcus. He had read the book. I knew nothing about Marcus. I knew nothing about, um, the story or anything and a mutual friend had a mutual friend of Marcus's and mine had introduced um my dad to Marcus and my dad could not stop talking about it he's like there's this retired Navy SEAL blah 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 he's gone through so much and I kept thinking he was an old man because I didn't understand that you could retire at a young age I didn't I didn't get that I thought he was like a Vietnam <laughs> Yeah, this is like right. months of my dad just like always talking about him, and I in my head I'm just picturing this old man. And um, anyway, long story short, but um, so when I met him, I knew that there was a book. My dad said he had read the book. I had not read the book. It was before the movie, and um. We ended up talking on the phone and he would say things as if I should know them, um, like mention things. And so I, I was traveling and I stopped in a bookstore. I think I was in Telluride, stopped in the little local bookstore and I was like, you know, a book called Lone Survivor. And she's like, yeah, it's one of our best sellers or whatever. And I grab it and I read it, read it, like basically just did a really quick skim read and I was like, holy cow, he has gone through a lot, but it still didn't really set in. Yeah. You know, I don't know why but it was just, I think I was caught up in the moment of like, I had a crush on him already. Right. Um, not for that, but just like his personality over the phone. And, um, and then, yeah, I just kind of got thrown into the world of military everything and I probably didn't do a great job in the beginning. Um, you went on a blind date. <laughs> so I, I asked Mary that night. I would be, then I pulled, her, I pulled her straight into our world. Yeah. I mean, she went from skimming the surface to what that title doesn't mean. That is just the title. Like everything that backfills everything that we are because we're connected in the Marine Corps. Because I'm a bastard. You know, I got sent to every one of y'all to get trained up, man. And that's why I have a story with these people, with one of y'all. And, and all my buddies, my brothers, we're all brothers and sisters. 
I mean, there was so much because I hit straight with the death. I mean, I'm I mad. Right at the beginning. And then even after we had extortion, which was 33 of our guys. And yeah. my, one of our mm-hmm. best friends, with all everyone, you know, so. Yeah, and I had already met guys and hung out with them that died on extortion. Like, I had already become friends with some of those guys. So it was, and that happened a year after we got married. So um, it was just really crazy within our first real date was the um very first gala like the opening um fundraiser for Lone Survivor Foundation to start and everyone was there I mean families of the fallen and people are introducing themselves but I'm not understanding who they were even though I did a quick skim of the book I didn't know like parents' names and widows' names in my head. Like I had just met him two weeks before. So And he brought you to that event? I mean, my God. He not only he brought me to that event and introduced me as his girlfriend. And I'm like, (laughs) I might be the first time I've ever met him. I was like, what? And I mean, I'm meeting Everyone from Glenn Beck to Peterburg and um, and all the families of the fallen, the the helicopter crew that rescued him. I mean, I'm meeting everyone that night. It was wow. such an overwhelming experience. That's why I say I didn't do a good job because I feel like I should have done some homework before that night. I didn't realize who all was going to be there because um, I definitely would have sat down and spent more time with them. But, um, but just to, I think it's kind of, I mean, it's the idea that you kind of knew that you learn Marcus's backstory and then you, you start dating him, you marry him, and then you experience the loss with extortion. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's not like, oh, that was all in the past. This is everything he went through. I don't know that yeah. part of the world to, to have that loss once you're yeah. together and you're married. I mean, um, and not just extortion. There were other oh, guys that that, sure. that we yeah, got to be that we got to be close right. with, and they're just dying left and right. And it was just it was very overwhelming. I had the, at that time before I met Marcus, the only funerals I had been to was my great great grandmother. My everyone lives really long in my life, and my stepmom that died tragically at a young age. So at that time I had been to two funerals in my whole life and I was 30, uh, 31, I think when we got married. And, um, and since then I've been to over 30 funerals. So it's so crazy. The book, so she said she didn't know much about the story, but that was all right. Because right when that book came out, then it was the movies and all that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to raise a family. Yeah. Well, in the movie, we it was started filming. We had a one-year-old at home, and Addie was two weeks old. Oh my! And gosh. so it was and just was a really. Days. He was I mean, constantly traveling on for speeches. On top of all the military stuff, because then she's automatically. But the, the learning curve in our families, you know, it's fast, right? When when you get pulled in, it's hey, you're in. You we're going. Yeah, so it, it was very overwhelming for me. And that's why I said I didn't do such a great job in the very beginning. But then I I really did grow very strong, genuine relationships with families of the fallen um, that 
like from Red Wing. Um, I'm very close with at least one person from every family. And um, oh, when the widows come out, they do something every year. We love each other. I mean, I, I love them. Like I see the work that you do with widows just through your social media and having them out there. And it's, it's amazing. And I, but I truly do. I truly do love them like sisters over the last um, 11 years now. We, we have grown to be very close. And um, I mean, matter of fact, I still go hang out with my, guys and then she hangs out with the widow yeah. we still come around and make sure that we remember that yeah but it's not just because they're widows like i have i truly love them you know and i, I and i that. yeah i, no I want them to be i want them to be sisters for life you know right. even though i wasn't in the sisterhood we have developed a relationship since then and that's really important to me yeah well you know it's interesting because when I was putting this, actually, it was when I was first on the Team Never Quit podcast mm-hmm. with you guys, and I was, I was actually talking with a friend, and they said, "Oh, well, have you read Lone Survivor?" And I'm like, "No, I haven't." And they're like, "Have you seen the movie?" And I'm like, "No, I haven't." And you know, that's not my husband's read both of your books, he's watched the movie, everybody around me has, you know, seen it all. For me, I, I can't, that's not something I would be able to watch. Like I know my limitations and I know that like, um, anything that gets into heavy combat for me is still, and I hate to use the word trigger cause I'm not that person, but it is, it's a bit of a trigger. Like it gets me mm-hmm. in a bad place. So, um, but one of the things I did watch was I watched a lot of your interviews. Marcus, around the time that Lone Survivor was coming out, because <laughs> I wanted to kind of gain the perspective of somebody that was sharing their story in, and you know, after Travis was killed, and then Brendan, his his best friend, who was killed in Afghanistan, um, when they were buried next to each other in Arlington, it became this big deal, and all of a sudden, everybody wanted to to talk to us, to hear the story. And I wanted to understand because I had very personal opinions about what Travis was doing over there. And and Travis had really strong opinions about what he was doing over there. And, you know, I wanted to make sure I was articulating them the right way, but also staying true to who I was. And I was watching and rewatched your interview with Jake Tapper the other day. And, um, And I love it. And you know why I love it? I'd love it because I've been in situations where I've been, you know, in front of a reporter or an anchor and they're asking me something and it is just, it's rubbing me the wrong way, the way they're at, what they're saying, what they're implying. And I give a curt response that I don't really challenge them, but I'm like, "Mm, okay, you know, and I kind of try to move on to the next thing. And re-watching that interview with Jake Tapper, I was like, you know, I wish I would have said what I really thought. And I love mm-hmm. that you just put it out there. And and we'll link that in the YouTube, but I'm I'm talking specifically about an interview with Mark Wahlberg and Marcus and their and and Jake Tapper's interviewing him about Lone Survivor, about the movie coming out. And he makes a comment about that he uses the word senseless and he says senseless. Well, he first says hopelessness that you guys, mm-hmm. there was hopelessness and you said, no one was hopeless. No, no one was hopeless. We, no, mm-hmm. no one was hopeless until they were dead. 
Like nobody was hopeless. And so he pulls that word back, but he doubles down on the word senseless loss of life. And you just went for it. And you said, no, no, no. We were in the military. We were serving our country. We were following military order. What was senseless about that? And I remember right before Travis's funeral, I went to get my hair cut. And I was numb at the time, but I knew I needed to get my hair done. And I had my hair back in the bowl and the woman was washing my hair. And she said something like, I'm so sorry, sweetie. I'm so sorry about your brother. You know, she knew. And she said, what a shame that these young boys are all dying in vain. And I got up, like hair soaking wet. And I sat up and I, and I walked out and I was just like, we're done here. Um, But I think about that as we approach, you know, weekends like Memorial Day weekend, right? As we're approaching weekends like this, this idea that there is lives being lost in vain or senseless losses, and it it just couldn't be further than from what my family believes. It couldn't be further from what my brother believed he was fighting for. And so I try to stand true to those convictions without you know, be over being overly aggressive, but I just, I want to thank you for, because I have no doubt that if you were asked that question again today, you'd have the same response. I know that was a long time ago, but I want to thank you for in that moment, you've got Mark Wahlberg sitting next to you. You're on like primetime TV. You could have very easily glossed by it. Right. And you could have not made it a thing. And you did. And I appreciate that you did that. Thank you. Um, that gets brought up every now and again. You can be sure. <laughs> it's funny because Marcus is very forgiving. I don't I'm have that. with him now. I, yeah. I, I don't hold grudges. I just. No, I, I like that. Jake Tapper too. I'm a. I mean, I I, I like Jake. I, no, Jake, if you listen, no offense to you. It was a long no, time ago. No, it's really yeah, funny yeah. because I hold grudges. I I get when I when someone pisses me off like that, like that lady that was washing your hair. I would want to burn her salon down. Like I, that makes me so mad. And, and it, the rage will build for a long time. So, <laughs> no, it makes me so mad. And when that happened, I was standing at the doorway when that, and I'm like, <sighs> I mean, just rage built inside me when he said that. And, um, and I knew, Marcus was going to answer, you know, an honest so direct. There's actually a tale that happens when I shift. You can see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could see him shift in his chair. Like he, he, I mean, he went from like, because I was also a press junket. So there was an interview every 15 minutes in the Just same walking. room. And they're all asking the exact same questions. And so Marcus is kind of like bored oh, or whatever, yeah, sitting just, there. He's been there for hours. And then, and so he's just kind of out of it. And then um, Jake asks that, and you can see him shift in his chair like, what the F did he just say? <laughs> well, the funny thing about it is, and my husband pointed it out yesterday because we watch it again. And my husband goes, watch Mark Wahlberg. Because when he yeah. says it and you shift, Mark Wahlberg does one of these. He like sits back like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things that we laugh about because Marcus has forgiven him. Jake Tapper came back uh, that next day, I think, and he apologized to Marcus. 
and ask for forgiveness instead like I'm really I'm looking back I shouldn't have said that I'm really sorry that it came across that way I really do respect you and your fallen brothers and that interview just went the wrong way and he he apologized yeah, and now, it's kind of misunderstanding too. I don't think, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't even think the woman who was washing my hair, she wasn't trying to hurt me. Right. She thought but I was going to be like, I know, I can't believe it. They're all dying in vain. Like she didn't get it, you know? But it shows a lot like for you and for Marcus, like to forgive that situation. And then there's people like me that's like, what's her name? Okay. I will remember <laughs> that for the rest of my life. That is not okay. <laughs> because... There are two totally different types of people out there, and um, well, now that you, interview pissed me off. As you get older, you can see it when someone says that. Like, I don't have the luxury, I, I don't have the luxury anymore of being able to hold on to those kind of symptoms mm-hmm. to say that like that. I don't have that because we live in a different world. So you can see, understand when people, when they, they don't know what to say sometimes, so they kind of, and then when you, when you check them on it, then you go to the word bank. <laughs> right, and usually the next one with that uh, elicits probably the same response. Because I, I I went from answering the questions routinely to he had my full attention. Mm-hmm. Once you have my full attention, we can do with it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I yeah, that that, that is a, a fun funny. interview yeah, to watch. I we still I pick on each other about it all the time. It's, it's well, another I, interview that went very similar to that, and it was before it was in the it was Marcus's very first interview um the Matt Lauer interview and he didn't ask for Marcus's forgiveness so still on my list (laughs) (laughs) well I think again I think I brought it up not to you know not to slam Jake Tapp or anything. I like Jake. Um, no, I've hey, you're a lot of interviews. Come on, man. Don't like that. Yeah, But I brought it up because I thought it was important, you know, when you're talking about Memorial Day and you're talking about, like, there are very well-meaning individuals that, uh, and, and Jake even said something to the effect, well, for someone like me, who do, didn't serve and Mark and Mark Wahlberg kind of does like, well, yeah, I mean, like we're, we don't, we don't fully get it. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can live with that. Like you don't mm-hmm. fully get it. So don't assume that you do. Right. And right. so I think there's this, again, sometimes this misconception about what it means to serve, what these men and how these men and women feel like, you know, my dad will constantly talk about the fact that, Travis was calling home from a satellite phone in Iraq and just saying, dad, you know, the, the average American has no idea what is happening over here. The heroic, the heroic things that are happening over here, like you can't even comprehend and I can't even articulate. And, and, you know, I think that's again, another important thing for Americans to understand understand that you're not going to understand everything. Right. Right. And so for that reason, you know, it's just important to, to honor, to honor Mm -hmm. these men and women for, for what they do for raising their right hand, whether they're in for one year or 20 years, you know, they all made that choice to step up and serve their country. Um, And it's an, it's an important distinction and something that it's important that separates you know, certain people from others. Um, well, and I, which is why I think it's important for these movies to exist. I mean, because we wouldn't understand the heroism of our World War II vets if it weren't for 
shows like Band of Brothers, right. you know, like we, we have to, the only way to get to the general public, the, the civilian population that doesn't know anyone in their immediate family, they don't have a friend that is serving is through entertainment. And yes, it, some people might think of it as entertainment, but it's not, it's education. Totally. I mean, my husband rewatches Band of Brothers every year. I mean, that's mandatory. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. And, but do you think that, you know, my, my dad wrote a book, Brothers Forever. It's about Travis and Brendan and, and their story. But really greater than that, the, the book is about Travis and Brendan representing this generation of men and women, right? That, mm-hmm. have, that have given their lives in service to this country. Um, and and I, I think it's one of the most powerful stories out there because it follows these two young men who ended up, you know, as midshipmen at the Naval Academy. And one went into the Marine Corps, the other became a Navy SEAL. And then three years later, uh, they're lying next to each other at Arlington National Cemetery, you know, and what mm-hmm. happens in between and what were the choices that they made. But, but I often wonder, and, you know, my dad's been, has talked to people and is still in talks with people around the book becoming something more than that. But do you think that the, the idea of these stories has waned from the public because what's happening overseas is dying down. Like, I mean, in the height of Lone Survivor, we were in a, you know, it was a heavy time during the Mm -hmm. Iraq war, right? Do you, do you feel like some of that sentiment is going away and how do we bring that back? Well, we're growing up now. There's a different generation on the ground. Yeah. The millennials are down here. (laughs) they're, They're completely different. We're 20 years past all that. And remember back in the day, everyone had to serve. Just, the oh, reason you appreciate your country is because you, you had to go in. Right. So we can go back to that or we'll make movies to where you, you learn to appreciate it that way. Because the kids, they watch stuff on TV and they try to emulate that. If you create an environment with around the military, so both good and the bad side, I've got to this life, right? Life in the military is just the average life. Sure. I mean, except we got when they send us over to do the fighting. We have everything else they have out here in the real world. We just dress up in the morning check in so, so the old man would see you're alive, right? That kind of thing. We all have our responsibility. So I think that, that our, our country's done a great job at integrating, our, uh, the, the, first of all, the different classes of people, like our, uh, the, the theater, the drama, the Hollywood, the stars. Like they create the environment. They recreate the environment that we create. And if they do it good enough, then the younger generation will see that because, I mean, it's, it's a passed up and a passed out, really. I mean, you preach hate all the time, and all the movies are on there. The kids will turn into that. They, they just will. I mean, I mean, it, agree with you more. It, it's yeah. uh, in, in the world they live in, everything. Mel and I were joking about this the other day. I opened up the door first thing in the morning, there was bags from the store sitting outside. I was like, Look. love delivery service. I was like, you, this sounds made up. Like you yeah. can hold up a phone, touch a picture on it, and it'll show up at the door. <laughs> I mean, back in the 1900s when we were kids, that sounds made up. And, it's just as, as the, the, the gaps, the, the generational gaps, we've, we've kind of grown up. We have kids now. And we want to keep them away from everything that we had to go through. Our, our 20 years is terrible. Whether you had a great, we had a great time in it, but it was still war, two of them. And all our friends are dying. Ain't nobody living in one spot. We're just now getting our head above water. We're just getting started. Like you're just starting this. You, we're just getting started in this. Yeah. The first part of our lives had to be tough. I mean, this is, I mean, like real tough. So now, because of what we got coming up, who do you think can handle that? 
only us. We're hybrids, man. We're just everybody else. I don't think that it's, I don't think that the American people are losing any interest. I think if anything, it's, it keeps momentum going when there are more movies released, like Unbroken. Like that came out, what, four years ago or so about World War II. And that was a huge hit. Like people still, it doesn't matter which war it was. They want to know about our heroes. Right. Even though it's a, a terrible situation, how that person died, it's an uplifting it fills you with hope and patriotism and love for your country to watch those kind of movies. Yeah. And, um, and so I think for even 20 years from now, there will be movies still made about the Iraq and Afghanistan war, just like how we are still making movies about World War II. Yeah. I, I really no. don't think that that's going to die down. Um, and it's crazy because Marcus and I went to Coronado. Um, we took the kids in September. The kids had never been to the base, um, like the Bud's compound and all that. So we just hopped in a van and did a road trip <laughs> from Texas to Coronado. And um, we were teaching the kids, like, okay, this is what daddy had to do. And they're seeing these young Bud students you know, running with boats on top of their heads or whatever, like, daddy did this. And they're like, what? Daddy can't do that. Like, that's, they don't, they can't even imagine it. And while we were there, those young kids that were students, bud students, they're going up to Marcus, like, I'm in because of your book or because of Chris Kyle or, you know, whatever. It's so crazy to see how, there is a new generation going in because of their generation stories. Yeah. When we were kids, the, the selling point for my generation was how hard it was. No one could do it. <laughs> we don't like you at all. I don't care what you be willing to be. Look, if you want to come in here and be a part of this, you got to go through that. All right, sign me up. Let's do this. Now right. it's like, we, you don't have to, you know, we'll make it as easy as possible. No one wants to do that. Who wants to do that? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's make, true. Yeah, I mean, listen, I remember growing up, the the Marines, when, when I was little and people would say, oh, what's your dad doing? I'm like, he's a Marine. And, you know, not always did people understand what Marine Corps was even when growing up. And I was, oh, my dad's one of the few, the proud, you know? Like, I knew the slogan. <laughs> I was like, you know, he's the few, the proud. That's my dad, you know? So, every well, every time every time I hear you, I mean, this just for, for your dad. So every time I hear... Someone say my father is retired lieutenant colonel marine. I always kind of perk up. I know what that means. Like I know what he looks like, how he walks, and dresses, <laughs> and creases in his pants. And I mean, I read to one of the, one of the uh, marine the other day. He was 103. He his his creases are so sharp down his uniform. I could have shaved with him. I mean, them guys are serious about that. And it's funny because that that's respect. I'm like I'm not, I was I'm not a marine. I'll never even play. I guess I'm not. But when I see one, I know what I'm looking at it. Oh yeah. Immediately. Immediately. My dad spent a few few months down in Florida this winter. So when he came back, he wasn't looking like the retired Marine Corps colonel. But then he went and got a haircut. And I'm like, oh, there he is. He's back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I I wanna I wanna close everything out. You know, we didn't talk too much about this word, but The podcast is called The Resilient Life Podcast. And it's all about, for me, I want to be talking to guests that live lives of resilience. I mean, 
there's no doubt about it. Um, you've had to be resilient uh, over your life, Marcus. You've had a lot of things put in play in front of you. Melanie entering in as a spouse and then, you know, dealing with some of the things that you've dealt with. Um, uh, both of you uh, are, are clearly living a resilient life. But I'd love to just hear from both of you what you think it means to, to live a life of resilience. How do you define resilience in your own life? We'll start with you, Melanie. I, um, to me, being resilient is just never quitting. Like, it just keeps going, moving on, and always trying to be better. Like I was talking about earlier, um, my biggest flaw is not being able to forgive. It's something I pray about every day. Like, please, Lord, give me forgiveness. Because I, I know that the only way to move forward is to forgive. And I think that's a big part of being resilient is to just move on and keep going. And, um, yeah, that's what resilient is to me. It's just being better every day. I love it. The hardest job in the world is military stuff. Because not only, I mean, I deal with everything I've ever had to deal with on, on purpose. I go in it like that. So every weight I, that I get hit with falls on her when I get home. All the time. So she has to deal with not only what she has to deal with, but what I, because I can't vent anybody else. So, and I don't, I'm not on, yeah, so I'll walk, I could even just walk around not saying a word and it stresses this place out. I mean, and not being used to that, growing up in it, you understand why that exists. If she, but I don't know, when she's like, you want to decide to be a military specific? Oh, no, why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> That's why <laughs> you know, I'm not a military spouse. I did not want to be one. Right? So when you, when, she had no idea what she was. I had no idea what I was really getting her into because I had never had to look at it that way. I thought all the pressure I was taking, I'm designed for it because it was a building block. I, I didn't take it all at once. I mean, I it kind of came and and then the whole thing I shifted over and pulled her right into. It. We were talking about this state. I was dealing with something and she's just walking through the house and walking through my energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just gonna sit there and focus on something else. I just feel that. And over time, we just trained. And resilience is going back in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get your butt whipped. That's supposed to happen. Like, you get to sharpen. Like, every day we go down, we learn something. We wake up next morning, whatever we, in the past, we squash that. Mm-hmm. We don't even bring it. Because it, it, it's gone, right? We have one day together. And we, we try to make the best of it. We can't matter what we're in. And man, once we learn how to communicate with each other, because a lot of times when we're sitting there talking, and I would kind of, kind of, the conversation would get intense with it, but ultimately what's happened is like she's trying to say the same thing I was, she was just saying it differently. And I, I didn't know that. I couldn't figure that out. So I just, you know, I, oh, I had to listen. <laughs> I started listening <laughs> instead of sitting there, because there's a difference between sitting there waiting to talk and sitting and waiting to, and, wait, and just listening, right? And I, I started listening. And the more I heard, I was like, wait a minute. And, oh, and I asked questions because our relationship is like the Weather Channel. It's like constant updates, man. I, I'm like, wait a minute, I feel like I'm in trouble. Did I do anything wrong? She's like, no, you're good. I'm like, all right, let's go. What does it mean to live a resilient life? To understand that you only have one. You got one day down here, right? Life keeps going. People, things die and you can step out of it and you step back in it. Resilience is like getting back in that line. You can rest a little bit and then get back into it. And just, just matter, every, every day is supposed to be designed for a certain reason to teach you something about it. If every day was perfect, you wouldn't have any idea what perfection was. Because you don't have to measure it off of. All right? We don't have bad days, we just have hard ones. Your, your resistance and your resilience is your ability to step back into the game every morning and take it 
any way you can. Take, take it as it comes on. Don't try and carry your day. Let the day carry you. Stay too heavy. It's like fish in the water. They get pushed. Birds in the air, they get carried. Humans are supposed to get carried through the day and just kind of think about it like that, man. And every day get up and thank the good Lord you get to see another one, man, and just take advantage of it. I feel like you just dropped like 10 quotes that are going to, I mean, what does living a resilient life mean? It means you only get one. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. don't carry the day. Let the day carry you. I, I love it. Um, wow. This was awesome. I, I think the world of both of you, I love how, you know, and, and it would be really easy for you guys to just live on your ranch in Texas, enjoy yourselves, enjoy your family, and not do much beyond that. But you both make it a point to stay connected to this community, to honor those sacrifices every day. And, and people see that. They see that how much you care about fallen service members, how much you care about keeping their legacies alive, not just the ones that you served with, but uh, but all of them. And, um, you know, everything you continue to do for the military community, uh, as, as a sister of a, a fallen Marine, it means the world. So, um, you know, continue doing what you're doing, continue spreading that message. And um, I, I just, I appreciate so much what you guys represent within this community and how you continue to hold yourselves. Um, and, Really love this conversation today and looking forward to, I'm going to think about that on Memorial Day this year. I will be in Arlington because we're, we're um, running down a, a project there. But uh, what I do at Arlington when I'm there, Marcus, is I, I always have a, gosh, should I, say, I always have a bottle of Patron in my backpack and, um, you know, uh, we, do, we do a couple shots uh, to the guys. Oh, yeah, there. of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so, you know, uh, Matter of fact, I don't think you're supposed to show up without that because it might be bad karma. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. But, you know, I'm going to think about beyond just what I'm doing there, taking a shot and, and saying their names. I'm going to think about what you said about this idea of, like, what did they love doing? Because today's the day where um, we do what they love to do. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to really honor that through maybe, you know, the music Travis liked to listen to or, uh, you know, the workout he would have done that morning, whatever it be. I'm not going to take it as a way to break my body down that day, because like you said, there's 364 other days in the year that I look to live a life worthy of his sacrifice. And so that's going to be the day where I just celebrate him. And um, I thank you for, you know, bringing that to me. Um, and putting that in front of my face. So uh, Marcus and Melanie, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. I truly appreciate you being our guest and um, I'm looking forward to everybody hearing this conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends.